Sunday night. Glad the Lord allowed us the opportunity to be alive and come back to church on Sunday night and appreciate the spirit this morning and look forward to what God has planned for us tonight. So if you will, open your Bible to the back to First uh, John, almost there toward the end. First John chapter number two is where we're going to be at for a few minutes and just kind of continuing this open-ended series on growing beyond and uh, just allowing the Lord to lead us in that. Some very helpful things in First John and very helpful things on this thought of growing beyond. And I pray we've already begun to grow together and grow beyond some things that we might become the church that God would have us to be. First John chapter 2, remain seated tonight if you don't mind. And we're going to look down and pick up in verse number 24. First John chapter 2, look at verse 24. We're going to read several verses toward the end of the chapter. If you don't mind, just remain seated as we read this together and uh, conclude at verse number 29. Verse 24, listen close what the Bible says. Let's that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. There's a lot to dig into, so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I thank you tonight for the privilege of coming back. And Father, I pray we view it as that a privilege. And Lord, I pray we've received your word this morning. I pray we responded to your will, and I pray we'll come tonight with an open heart to do it again. Thank you for your word, Lord, that it's quick, it's living, and it's powerful. And Lord, if we'll allow it, that Lord, it'll do a work in our lives. And I pray we'll leave here forever different, Lord, because we've received what you've sent to us. Bless the invitation. I pray, Lord, for just obedience, Lord, for the lost to be saved and the saved to be challenged by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to jump right in this tonight, if we could. As we look at this series of Growing Beyond, uh, one of the most indispensable parts of growing is realizing why you're not growing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says to the church of Galatia, you did run well. That word did is a past tense word, meaning you were doing good, uh, but you're no longer doing as good as you were. And he asked the question, he says, you did run well, past tense, who did hinder you? The Apostle Paul is trying to help them to understand, number one, you're not doing as well as you were, and we need to figure out why you're not doing as well as you used to be. And he asked the question, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Now, one of the greatest hindrances tonight that I believe come in the lives of Christians, as far as our growth is concerned, it is not being able to move forward because we're continually moving backwards, okay? Now, the Bible uses a term we know very well, and we joke about it a lot, but it's mentioned 12 times in the Old Testament, and that is the word of backsliding. I don't know if you know this, but taking two steps forward and then taking two steps backward is not progress. Now, we feel good when we make the two steps forward, do we not? I mean, I feel good when I can go an entire day and stay within my calorie count. Uh, I'm trying to keep a track on my calories to keep my health where it needs to be and honor God and in my health if I can. Uh, but man, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? And I feel good when I get a Monday racked up. Man, I did good on my calories. But when I go on Tuesday and I eat what I didn't eat on Monday, you know, I really didn't gain anything. 
So taking two steps forward and two steps back is, is not really growth. And in order for us to grow, we've got to learn to grow beyond this thing of backsliding, meaning we take some progress and move forward, but we slowly slide back. I want to tell you tonight, we're not going to win that way. If we're going to win, we've got to figure out how we can stay ahead. I was talking to Brother Brent out there in the hall a moment ago and uh, watched the ball game last night. Very exciting uh, day of college football. I watched the ball game last night and I was very excited about LSU. They were doing very well and they would score a point. I would be excited that they were ahead. And then just a few minutes later, they would allow Texas to come and score again. And I, man, I was just, my heart's racing. I just got sweaty palms. I'm like, come on, guy. They couldn't hear me hollering through the television, but it made me feel better all the same. You know, it's like hollering at people that can't see you coming down the road, you know. You just feel better about it for some reason when you can holler at somebody. And I told my wife, I says, we're not going to win if we keep letting them catch up. Now, that didn't sound like wisdom, but that's some wisdom in that right there. We're not going to win if we kept, keep letting the devil catch up, and we're not going to win if we can't stay ahead. We've got to learn how to stay ahead and gain the ground and to keep that ground. And I believe 1 John chapter 2 will show us how we can grow beyond backsliding. That's what we're going to look at tonight. That's the one asked me one time. I forget what denomination. That may have been Methodist or Presbyterian. I can't remember. And uh, she says, you know, Baptist and whatever they were, we're kind of a lot alike, except for you folks believe in backsliding. I said, absolutely, I believe in backsliding. It's in the Bible 12 times. And so if it's in there, we must understand we're capable of it. And they're going to have a temptation to slide back, regardless of how much, to, how much room we've made forward to ease back to where we were. So tonight we're going to look at this and pick up in verse number 24, if you will. I want you to notice a few words. The Bible says, let that therefore, and notice the next word, abide. The word abide is mentioned. Abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. Notice these words, abide and remain. And then notice the next, the next sentence. The Bible says, ye shall also shall continue. So we notice the continuing is a result of the abiding and the remaining. Verse number 25 goes on to say basically the similar things. And notice verse number 26. Verse 26 says, these things have I written unto you concerning them which seduce you. So the Bible is saying there's going to be temptation, seductions to go backwards. It's very tempting to go backwards. But these scriptures will show us how we might abide and remain. And not only that, be able to move forward tonight. So let's look at this if we could. The first thing I want you to notice comes at the end in verse number 28. The Bible says, and now little children abide. There's that word again. Abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So notice that word confidence in verse number 28. The Bible says that when the Lord returns, we don't want to be found in fear and scared because we have slidden back and gone back to where he brought us from, not become lost again, but not made any progress in our walk. We want to be found having confidence. Wouldn't it be wonderful when the Lord comes back for him to look down and to see us and when he arrives for us not to be fearful that we were backslidden, but to know, hey, I'm where God would have me to be in my life. I'd love to be there. Wouldn't it be great if the Lord would come back tonight, amen, and find us not only in the house of God and physically where we're supposed to be, but spiritually where we're supposed to be. And so tonight, number one, notice that consistency comes from confidence. Consistency comes from confidence. Look, you're not just going to get to the day when the Lord comes back and magically be confident. No, that confidence that you will have on that day must be a confidence that you maintained in your re regular walk with God. 
So I believe the Bible shows us how we can do that tonight. Understand this, a believer that abides or a believer that stays put, a believer that is not seduced into backsliding is a confident believer. They are somebody who not only knows what they believe, but they are confident in what they believe in. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, it's hard to be confident in a God that you don't know very well. Think about that. I'm not saying you're not saved, but what I'm saying tonight is we get saved, we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we don't grow very much in getting to know him better, therefore we have very little confidence in them. Now folks, I want you to know if there's anybody we want to have confidence in, it's our Lord. If there's anything we can have faith in tonight, it's the word and the will of God. But we don't have enough confidence in that to hold us in place because we've not made the efforts to get to know our God and to know our Lord better. So tonight, consistency begins with a confidence. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse number 13, Paul told Timothy, he says, seducers shall wax worse. We're talking about in these last days that seducers, those that desire to tempt you and draw you backwards, those that will aid in a bed in backsliding are only going to get worse. So how do we stay put? How do we not be one of those Christians? I've watched this ever since I was old enough to really understand it. Christians, particularly here in the South, we live in a constant flow of revival and retreat. This is why we have to have regular revivals. Why couldn't we just stay revived? (laughs) Novel idea. Why could we not just continue to move forward? Why could we not just continue to trust God for more and more and to work in our lives and grow beyond backsliding if we just got to know our God a little bit better? But what we do is we have revival and then times of retreat and we continue this cycle. Listen, that's not going to cut it. As time rocks on, seducers shall wax worse and worse. The draw being pulled backward is going to get worse. First Peter 5, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, what is an adversary? It's someone that opposes you. So as you try to take baby steps forward, he's trying to take giant steps pushing you backwards. And you've got to understand the only way that you're going to have the confidence and consistency is for you to be rooted in who you know and what you know. I love our, our starting point class. It was really a blessing to me to get to spend some time with our, our new members and potential members here at the future of our church and to go over what we believe. You need to know that stuff. The reason so many Christians get easily swayed from the faith is they did not know what they believed. Look, the consistency is going to come from the confidence of what you know. And if you know what you know, it's going to be hard to move you from it. Some of you folks in here, I could not change your mind on your football team for nothing. I couldn't change your mind about which car is better, a Ford or a Chevy. There's a lot of things I couldn't change your mind about. Why? You're set. You're committed to it. You've got confidence in it. And that's how you're able to remain a consistent fan of what you're a fan of. Now, folks, if we just got to the place where we knew God better, and we walked with God closer, we would be able to maintain a walk with God and not be susceptible to backsliding. Several times in my life, not now, uh, at this moment, several times in my life, I have had cars with bad tires. You know, that's, that's kind of, a, that's kind of a, a preacher thing, I think, from time to time. You drive a lot, and uh, we don't go by the, you know they use the penny method where you stick Abraham Lincoln upside down on a penny, and he, if his head is covered up, then you're, you've got enough tread. My litmus test is wire showing. <laughs> if you see sparks when you're coming down the road at night, that's the signal you probably need to change your tires. 
uh, sooner or later. And I knew, I was several years ago, I knew our tires were, were not real good on our car, but kept looking at them and said, you know, I think we can make it a little bit further. I think we can make it a little bit further. And we had to take this long trip. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't want to have a blowout because cars now, all they come with is those dumb donuts, you know? I like donuts, but the edible kind, not those little rinky-dink things in the trunk of your car that they call a tire. I know that's this little bit old thing in the back of the trunk. We had to take this trip, and man, I'm praying all the way. Please, potholes. I was going around roadkill squirrels. I was afraid anything. It might blow my tire out. I didn't have a whole lot of confidence on my journey, okay? I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in it because I knew that what I had was barely there. I knew maybe if I got up to 65, that thing was flying apart, okay? I knew I didn't have much, therefore I was not very confident in my journey. Now, I think tonight that's why so many of us are easily swayed. We know we don't have much root. We don't have much grounding. We don't know what we believe and we don't stand on what we know and therefore we're easily seduced not to abide. Tonight you look at the heroes of our faith. Anyone who went on to do great things for God, you will find them as people who were able to stay put because they had confidence in their God. They were found with confidence. That confidence doesn't start when you hear the trump of God sound. People who are found with confidence at the return of our Lord are people who lived with confidence because they knew our Lord. They spent time getting to know him and walking with him, and they were able to abide. They were able to stay put and stay rooted and not backslide. Why? Because of the confidence they had in the God that they knew. Now, folks, if we're going to we're going to fend off backsliding. We're going to have to get to know our God a little better. You remember Joshua chapter 1, God is calling Joshua to take the place of Moses. Well, what a scary place. I mean, you can imagine stepping in for Moses. He calls Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. And he tells him, I want you to take the children of Israel over Jordan. And I love what God tells Joshua. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Here's what he's doing. Joshua, don't go back. Those folks are going to grumble and they're going to gripe and they're going to want to go back. Don't go back because just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Do you know what God was helping Joshua move forward with? Confidence. He said, remember what I did? Remember what I did for Moses? Remember the Red Sea, Joshua? Remember all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, I remember all that. Well, move forward because you know what I can do. Now, folks, there's too many of us, we just don't seem like we know what God's capable of. I, I cannot stand being around pessimists. If you're one and I didn't know it, I apologize. I'm not being mean to you. I just can't stand around pessimists. I, man, look, I honestly believe there's a chance for revival in America. I honestly believe that. Why? Because I know what God's capable of. And it may not spread all over this country. Look, why not here one in Mississippi? There's only, what, three million people? Why not here? Why not maybe just in Hattiesburg? I believe God could do that, and I believe that based on what I know of God. If I served a small God, no wonder I would be a Christian pessimist. But I don't. I serve a God that can get it done. And the Bible tells us here that the key to that uh, consistency is this abiding confidence that we have in God. Psalms 27, I want to read something for you. Old David in Psalms 27. If you ever needed encouragement, read Psalms 27. David says in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Notice the confidence. Now, David's not boasting, per se, uh, popping off in fleshly manner, but David is saying, the Lord is my, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Look at the confidence. Why? Because the Lord is his light. You see that? David says, I'm, I'm not going to fear. He goes on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wouldn't you love to have that kind of confidence? 
when the seducers come to try to draw us back away from the gains that we've made in our walk with God, wouldn't it be wonderful to have the confidence to stay put? Well, if we knew the Lord like David did. Look at verse 3 in Psalms 27. It says, though a host should encamp against me. Wow, that's a lot of people. A host. My heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up, rise against me. In this will I be confident. David knew his God. Now, folks, if you knew God the way David knew God, you would be rooted and grounded. It goes on to say this in verse 13. Listen close. I had fainted. That means I had quit. I had give up. I had gone back. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. What is he saying? Stay put. Stay put. Why? Because the one that you're waiting on is capable. Folks, if we are going to fend off the seducers that lead to backsliding, this consistency begins in a confidence. Too many of us, listen, we don't stay put long enough for God to work. I mean, a little dark cloud passes over. Well, I guess God's not on the throne anymore, and we quit and we go back and get out of church. David says, stay put. Wait, I say on the Lord. Look, God is worthy of every ounce of confidence you put in him. Rather, a wonderful story. It really touched my heart to see the humanity of Abraham Lincoln. And the story went on to say that in the Smithsonian, there's a, a box, a small blue box that, that, came, that contains the contents of his pockets the night that he was assassinated. It says, in that pocket, uh, in, in his pockets that night, in that little box, there is a small pen knife that he used to use, a glasses case that were held together with twine. There was a handkerchief embroidered with an A on it, a $5, by the way, Confederate dollar bill, $5 bill in his pocket. And then in his pocket, there was a stack of crumpled up newspaper clippings in his pocket the night that he was assassinated. They've got them at the, at the Library of Congress. I'm sorry. That's where they're at, the Library of Congress. They opened up the, li- the, uh, the clippings and began reading them, and these were clippings that talked about the great moments in the life of Abraham Lincoln in his administration, moments of where he had stood and moments of where he had passed legislation and moments during the war that he was able to stand tall. The story goes on to say that Abraham Lincoln would take those small newspaper clippings out of his pocket in times of worry and fear, in times of doubt, in times of, uh, of, of curiosity when he did not know what to do and he would read those clippings of past victories that he had. Now, folks, I, I kind of thought to myself, I saw the humanity of a man who had to look pa- back to past victories to gain present confidence. Now, folks, this is the news clippings of God. These are the clippings. He preserved them for us. And there are times, they said during the, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, there was great doubt. He had detractors on both sides of the aisle. It took tremendous courage to make a lot of the decisions that he made. And they says oftentimes he would refer back to those newspaper clippings of the times of victory that he had in his life. But folks, this is what we've got to do to have the confidence to stay the course of the will of God. This is what will keep us from backsliding. By flipping through and reading the newspaper clippings of what God has done in the past, knowing that we have the same confidence in the same God to do it again in the future. So our consistency begins with confidence. But then if you will, look back to verse 24. If you're going to fend off backsliding, grow beyond backsliding, it begins with a confidence. But where does that confidence come from? 
24 says, then therefore abide in you, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you, sh- you also shall continue in the Son and the Father. Now, skip down to verse 27. But the anointing, this is the Holy Spirit of God, which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now what is this saying? This is saying the Holy Spirit of God that we get when we get saved. Uh, you read that word anointing, it kind of has a scary word in it. It thinks it's going to be charismatic or something. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God. That Holy Spirit of God, that indwelling Spirit of God that comes and lives in our heart, the Bible says teaches us. Isn't that great? That the Holy Spirit of God is in there, and whether you read it in the Bible or not, the Holy Spirit will always bear witness of the Word of God in your heart. That means He's going to teach you, and He's going to guide you. Now understand this. The confidence, number two tonight, comes from obedience. If you want to have confidence to remain and not backslide, confidence comes from being obedient to the leadership and teaching of the Holy Spirit of God. It's hard to, listen, it's hard to have confidence in something that you're not obeying. I told you the other day, my wife asked me all the time, I'm not feeling good, did you take your medicine? No. It's hard to have a lot of confidence in a medicine that you're not taking. Now look, you take the medicine of the Holy Spirit of God, the leadership, that teaching, that indwelling teaching that he gives us, and then we have confidence through obedience. It's hard to have confidence if you're not obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. One of the scriptures I read a lot, I love the scripture, Acts 16, 6, where Paul The Bible says that Paul is saved to go to Bithynia. The apostle Paul is wanting to go and preach the gospel in Asia, but the Bible says they were forbidden. They were forbidden. The Holy Spirit of God says, no, I don't want you to go to Asia. We talked about it Wednesday night, about how the Holy Spirit gives leadership. The Bible says the Holy Spirit ultimately would lead them to Macedonia, the great vision at Macedonia to go and preach the gospel there, which would lead to Europe. Now, here's what I want you to understand. How much confidence would the Apostle Paul had preaching the gospel in Asia if he had defied the Holy Spirit to go there? How much confidence? How, much con- how could the Apostle Paul get up with fervor and fire and preach the word of God in Asia knowing the Holy Spirit told him not to? Now, folks, tonight, that's why we don't have much confidence in our walk because oftentimes in our walk, we're defying the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. You'll find confidence comes through obedience. This is why Hebrews 2 tells us. The Bible says we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. We must give the more earnest heed. What does that mean? It means do what you're told by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Bible says, lest at any time we should let them slip. Notice the slipping, backsliding, the slipping occurs when we don't take heed to the Word. When we're not obedient to what thus saith the Lord through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, when we're not obedient to the written word of God, how can we have confidence in our journey? That's why the devil blows us off our feet so often. Psalms 34, 8, I love the scripture. It says, taste and see the Lord is good. I want you to think about that. Taste and see. It's a food. Some of you just perked up for the first time tonight. We started talking about tasting and seeing. We're going to eat right after the service in just a minute. You'll be able to taste a lot and see a lot, I hope. Psalms 34, 8, the Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. Can I tell you why we don't see? Because we don't taste. What is the tasting? That's obedience. 
You want to see what God will do? It requires obedience on our part. How can we expect God to show us anything when we're living in defiance to what he's told us? Not going to happen. There's no confidence there. I've told you before, as a kid, my dad would leave me a a list of things to do when he was working out of town. And uh, I would have loved to have been able to just go and relax and enjoy my day. But when I knew I had unfinished chores, I was always listening for the truck to come across the railroad tracks. Man, it's just fidgety, you know? Plane would pass over. I think that was dad about to come over the railroad tracks. Why was I fidgety? Why was I nervous? Because I knew I was not in obedience It's hard to have confidence when you're not living in obedience. So understand, confidence to do the will of God comes from obedience to the word of God, okay? Confidence to do the will of God comes from obedience to the word of God. You do what thus saith the Lord, and you can have confidence in where you stand. Why? Because God's the one who told you to stand there. No matter what he tells you to do. If God tells you to go stand in front of the Red Sea and to stand still... And see the salvation of the Lord, you can have confidence in that. Why? Because you're being obedient that God's the one that told you to do it. My dad used to use the illustration a lot when he preached about how uh, my, he, would, he would call me up, for, uh, want me to come up for supper. And uh, my brother, he would go down to my brother and tell my little brother, he's, he's not that little anymore, but you know, he's about yay big. And he'd tell my little brother, five years younger than me, go get your brother. My brother would come down and say, you need to get up to the house. <laughs> so that's cute. You know, younger brother, Boston big brother around, just keep on playing basketball. And then my brother would say, daddy said, get to the house, with a smirk on his face sometimes. See, now he's going in the authority of his dad. Now he's going in the authority of his earthly father, therefore he has confidence in what he's doing. He's going up against a guy that's taller than him, and I don't know that I was stronger than him, he's always been a smart little fellow, but... uh, I'm bigger than him, I'm older than him, and yet he had the confidence to tell me what to do. Why? Because he's being obedient to the orders of his father. You'd be amazed at the confidence you would have when the seducers try to pull you back that you'd be able to abide and continue if you knew you were in obedience to the word and the will of God. Confidence comes through obedience. I asked a kid one time, a kid uh, brought a unicycle to camp. Who ever thought about inventing a bicycle with one wheel? Uh, I think they got a screw loose or something. Who sits around and says, why don't we make a bicycle with one wheel? But this kid brought it, and uh, man, he was pretty good at it. He just hopped on top of that thing, one wheel, one wheel, hopped on top of it. He's just all over the place. And I said, how did you do that? How did you learn how to do that? Number one, why would you want to learn how to do that? But then how did you learn how to do that? He said, well, first I had to learn to ride a bicycle. Okay? He says, once I got that down pat, then I went from a bicycle to a unicycle. He said, I just kept growing in that. Man, he was very confident in it. Why? Because he knew he had, he had learned how to do it one way, and he slowly grew until he was able to do what was harder. Now, folks, some of us are still on training wheels. How can we learn to ride a unicycle spiritually if we're still on training wheels? Sooner or later, we've got to get rid of the training wheels, get on two wheels, and then if you just feel weird enough, get on one wheel. But you've got to grow in that. Folks, if we're going to move forward, confidence comes through obedience. Philippians 4, 9, this is a scripture I've quoted a lot lately. Well, there's some good truth in here. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. That, that two-letter word, do, that's a tough one. Those things which ye have learned, it's easy to learn, isn't it? We can just learn. It's easy to receive and heard and seen. The Bible says, Paul told the church at Philippi, now go do it. 
Sooner or later, you got to do it. you got to be obedient to what you've been taught. And listen to the next part. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do you know what peace is? It's confidence. And the God of peace shall be with you. You see, the peace and the confidence comes from the obedience of doing what you've seen and what you've heard. Now, folks, the reason so many of us don't have any confidence in our walk with God is because we're not living in obedience to the Word of God. We've got to live in obedience to that. Think about Noah real quickly before I give you the last thing. I want you to think about Noah and what God called Noah to do. If you've ever been up to the ark and seen the, 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 cre- the recreation of the ark up there, it's, it's amazing uh, that, that God would call one man uh, to do that. And as I stood there with my wife and we looked at the ark, I said, Noah built what he believed. Think about that. You're looking at this massive ship that is there. It was, a, it was an amazing moment for my wife and I as we stood there, and we just kind of wept together for a moment to think there were people who believed God so much. They believed God so much. They even built a big old boat out of the middle of nowhere. It hadn't even rained yet with all the people talking and all the people, man, you're, you're, a, you're a nutcase and all this, and yet Noah did it. Why? Because he believed that much in his God. The confidence to do that came from someone who knew their God because they were obedient to him. It seemed to work out for Noah. The last thing I want you to notice, let's see, look down, if you will, back to verse, uh, verse number 24 again. I want you to see how all this ties together. The Bible says, let that therefore abide in you. There's that consistency which you have heard from the beginning. That which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. You also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now skip down. Verse 27 again, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And the next part, the Bible says this, and is truth. And is truth. So, consistency comes from confidence. Confidence comes from obedience. Where do we get obedience from? Well, obedience, number three, obedience comes from truth. Obedience comes from truth, and I'll explain that to you in just a second. If you're going to remain and continue, not backslide, grow beyond backsliding, sooner or later you're going to have to be confronted and receive the truth, okay? The Bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground of what? Truth. This is the place that people come to hear the truth. Now, it's hard to backslide when you're standing on the truth. The truth is solid. The truth is not sinking sand. The way that you will abide and the way that you will continue and the way that you will not backslide is by receiving the truth of the word of God. Now, I will tell you, the people that I know that have fallen from the faith, if you will, who've gotten out of church, who have drifted and backslidden away out of the will of God are people who were not willing to be confronted by the truth. Understand that. I don't always like hearing the truth. I told you that the other day. I hate it when the doctor tells me I need to lose weight. I'm like, I know. I'm here because I have a sore throat, not because I'm not sure that I'm overweight, okay? I want you to just tell me what's wrong with my throat. I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing things that that don't make me feel good. But the truth is the truth. And how can I move forward without accepting and receiving the truth? Now, sooner or later, you're going to have to decide whether you believe this book or not. If this is the truth of the Word of God, then we stand on it. 
We believe it. We have confidence in it. We have confidence in it because we are obeying it. But folks, listen, if we look at the Word of God as a buffet that we can pick and choose what we want, do not be surprised if you don't backslide. Because the only safe space, that's a kind of a big term we use in our society today about safe places and safe spaces. The only safe place from backsliding is standing upon the rock of the truth of the Word of God. Whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, if the truth is the truth, then therefore we stand on it. The woman at the well, Jesus asked her where her husband was. Oh my goodness, what an easy opportunity to say, well, and start passing the buck off. Well, here it is, here it is. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you've spoken truth. You see, she wanted to move forward from where she was, and that begins with the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, as we talked about this morning in our, in our class. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but backsliding is something we're seeing too often in the church. For people who once remain and people who were once fixtures are slowly slipping away. And you ask, what happened? I can tell you, sooner or later, you'll get down to it. They started sidestepping the truth. The truth of the Word of God is preached. You may be like, man, I don't like that. That's going to affect my home. That's going to affect my life. That's going to affect my friendship. That's going to affect whatever it is. And we sidestep the truth. But understand, when you sidestep the truth, you're stepping closer to the edge of being backslidden. And let me tell you, it's a slippery slope. When I was a kid, my dad used to make those, uh, 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 like a slip and slide. We didn't buy the store-bought ones. We made homemade ones, amen? DIY. We were real men back there in the backwoods of Carson. And he'd get a roll of 100-foot polyethylene, and he'd put it up on a hill, and we'd get mom's dish liquid. Uh, we'd go out there and just hose it down with a dish liquid and put the water hose on it. And boy, we'd have a ball. Get up there, we'd have races down, try to have races up. And, but buddy, if you got too close to that edge, use gold. And that's the way it is. Listen, when you start getting off the solid ground of the truth, you're getting to the edge closer to where you're going to slip off and be backslidden. So tonight, we're looking at this thought of growing beyond, growing beyond backsliding. How do we do that? It begins with confidence. You've got to have confidence that the Word of God is truth. And God says what it says, and I believe what God says, and I'm going to stand on what God says. That's where confidence comes from. If you're going to be, uh, be, have, be consistent, you must be confident in what you believe. Number two, that confidence comes through obedience. Sooner or later, you've got to obey what thus saith the Lord. It's hard to have confidence in what you're not obeying. And then the third thing tonight, obedience comes from truth. That means when the truth is preached, if it's the truth, I receive it whether it feels good or not. So I don't like that very much. Remember, when you sidestep it, you're getting too close to the edge. My prayer is that the younger generation that's sang up here tonight will be able to have a church that is still the pillar and ground of truth. Because the people that are in here tonight decided whether or not the truth makes me feel good, I want the truth because that's the only solid ground that we have to stand on. I'll tell you, all over this country, there are young people inheriting churches that are shells of what they used to be. Let me tell you why. Somewhere along the line, they backslid. Why? Because somewhere along the line, instead of being obedient to it, we sidestep the truth. My prayer is that by the grace of God, we'll receive the truth We'll stand on the truth. We'll have confidence in the truth because we've been obedient to it. Now, it's invitation time. The favorite part of the service, amen? The invitation time. Do you know what the invitation time is all about? It's all about obedience. 
The invitation is where God gives us an opportunity to be obedient to the word of God that was presented. So tonight, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the question is simply this. With whatever God has spoken to my heart and your heart through the message, am I going to be obedient to it? You see, backsliding begins through sidestepping the truth that was presented. And we keep sidestepping and keep sidestepping and keep sidestepping until eventually we step right on.